The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Bloomberg Audio Studios. Podcasts, radio, news. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Cure podcast available every morning on Apple, Spotify or wherever you listen. It's Friday the 23rd of February. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Lizzie Burden. Coming up today, NVIDIA's quarter of a trillion dollar surge sparks a global stock rally. But as equities surge, more Fed speakers pile on to say that rate cuts aren't coming anytime soon. And Putin makes friends in Africa. Why Russia's shipping free food to countries on the continent? Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. A record-breaking $277 billion one-day jump in the value of NVIDIA has helped to fuel a global rally in equities that's seen markets from the US to Europe and Japan hit all-time highs. The S&P 500, the Nasdaq and the MSCI's Asia all... All country index closed at new records in the US, while Asian stocks also jumped. Homie Lin, a senior macro strategist at Lombard Odier, says he expects American equities to continue their rise. When you see a rally like this, first of all, you have to respect the price action and momentum. So we are you know, incorporating that in our portfolios by overweighting U.S. equities uh, at the expense of European equities, for which we think the macro uh, and policy backdrop is slightly more challenging. Home in Lee's bullish view on the U.S. comes despite increasingly hawkish language from Fed policymakers, with a number of rate setters pushing back on the idea of rate cuts in the coming months. Much of the stock rally so far in 2024 has been powered by investor expectation that the Federal Reserve will begin to cut interest rates later this year. Former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers is warning that financial markets are underestimating the risks of political and social turmoil around the world, resulting from populist policies. He highlighted the dangers of protectionism and restrictions on the free flow of goods, capital and people, calling them very real risks. Nationalist populist policy, both at home in terms of the rule of law, internationally in terms of protectionism and restrictions on flows of goods, flows of capital, flows of people. But they are very real risks and they seem to me to be insufficiently priced in. Summers, who is a paid contributor to Bloomberg Television, has called the coming US election the most consequential vote since World War II. Top Fed officials are emphasising the need for patience on rate cuts. Their calls come in the wake of strong US economic data, including a surprise drop in jobless claims for the week ending February the 17th to 201,000, well below estimates of 216,000. Fed Vice Chair Philip Jefferson and Governor Lisa Cook say inflation 
is cooling, but they added that they need to see more evidence before lowering borrowing costs. Jefferson also says excessive easing could stall progress. The labour market can change dramatically. We have to be careful and we have to try to assess the different shocks that can hit the economy. I would like to have greater confidence that inflation is converging to 2% before beginning to cut the policy rate. I would see an eventual rate cut as adjusting policy to reflect a shifting balance of risks. Vice Chair of Jefferson and Governor Cook speaking there. The remarks from policymakers come as economists forecast the Fed's preferred inflation gauge will rise at the fastest pace since 2023. Standard Chartered has announced a $1 billion buyback program as its profits last quarter beat average analyst estimates. The lender's fourth quarter adjusted pre-tax profit rose by 63% to $1.06 billion, beating estimates. Following the strong results, the firm announced a new fit-for-growth program that will save over $1.5 billion over the next three years, boosting returns for investors and galvanising the bank's stock, which has plunged by more than 20% in the last year has been a priority for Standard Chartered CEO Bill Winters. To the UK Parliament now, where more than 10% of all MPs have called on Lindsay Hoyle to quit. The motion of no confidence is a fallout from a rule change the Speaker of the House of Commons made, which helped the Labour Party avoid a rebellion on Gaza. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak stopped short of calling for Hoyle to go, instead blaming pro-Palestine protesters. The usual ways in which Parliament works were changed. Now, my understanding is that the Speaker has apologised for what happened and is reflecting on that. But I think the important point here is that we should never let extremists intimidate us into changing the way in which Parliament works. The SPAC continues to overshadow government business and any debate over Westminster's approach to the Israel-Hamas war. And finally, for the first time since 1972, the United States is back on the moon. In a mission marred by challenges, including a harsh environment and last-minute changes, Intuitive Machines became the first private firm to land an intact vehicle on the lunar surface. The NASA administrator Bill Nelson says that the trip was an important victory. Today, for the first time in the history of humanity... A commercial company, an American company, launched and led the voyage up there. What a triumph. Odysseus has taken the moon. Bill Nelson works at NASA, which paid nearly $118 million for the mission. The landing is a milestone for the business of space after previous attempts to reach the surface with a private craft failed. In a moment, we are going to talk about, well, the stocks rally. What else? Jill Deces, our Bloomberg Economy and Government Editor, will be joining us. But we should really reflect on the surge to an all-time high for NVIDIA. A single session, there was a lot of anticipation, uh, a lot of concern about whether NVIDIA could deliver in terms of the results. The investors absolutely loved it, Lizzie. Yeah, I love this line from Stacey Ragson at Sanford C. Bernstein. They are just printing money at this point and it's not just Nvidia itself that's at a tipping point using the CEO's words he is too he's on the verge of becoming one of the top 20 richest people in the world that's according to our Bloomberg billionaires index yeah hang on he's not quite there yet though he's 21st richest uh, wealth uh, increasing by 9.6 billion dollars that's quite some sum the thing is at this point everybody owns Nvidia so when he gets rich so do all the other billionaires everyone except 
Kathy Wood because Ark hasn't held NVIDIA, of course, since the start of last year. So she's just got to watch from the sidelines. Talk about FOMO. Uh, yeah, look, I, I think that's... We, we have mentioned this before, you know, that Kathy Wood has missed out on this, even though she was one of the early converts and, uh, um, and talking about the artificial intelligence, you know, capacity, capability and boom. But yes, you're right. NVIDIA's rally has really lifted the fortunes of, of a lot of companies. How far does that go? I think a lot of investors are going to be probing this. It has helped the fortunes of a lot of other billionaires and a lot of other businesses, including in Europe, ASML, for example. Um, but, you know, how much does it sort of trickle down? It's just staggering the gap between stocks and bonds right now. Well, this is the point. Cathy Wood's waiting for that rally to broaden. It's why she's got broader exposure. But that point isn't yet. ARK's still down 8% so far this year. Is it? Okay. Uh, yeah, right. Well, let's turn our attention then to the markets more broadly. Talk about um, NVIDIA. Rate cuts in the US and Europe may be looking less likely, but the strong earnings from chipmaker NVIDIA, whose stock price surged 16% in a single day, have fueled this global equities rally. Markets in the US, Europe and Japan hitting all-time highs. Joining us now to discuss is Bloomberg Economy and Government Editor Jill Desis. Good morning, Jill. So we've seen a continued rally in Asia this morning. The S&P 500, the Nasdaq 100, the all-country index, all closing at new records. Is NVIDIA really driving it all? Well, I think, Caroline, what we're really seeing here is um, what NVIDIA is doing is sort of epitomizing um, the strong fundamentals that are underlying stocks right now. I mean, the fact that you're seeing, um, you know, I, I, I mean, NVIDIA by itself, I think, has obviously been beating expectations for quite some time now. The um, market capitalization that it just added over, um, you know, a single day, $280 million is um, absolutely, or $280 billion really is just absolutely stunning. Um, but it's really sort of that fundamental idea of, um, you know, it Adding in, um, you know, all of the, you know, all, all of these gains um, on the back of um, this incredible advancement in artificial intelligence, what that ultimately means for the broader uh, uh, tech market, and then how that's ultimately helping, um, you know, the S and P, Nasdaq, that that kind of stuff. Um, and I think that you're sort of juxtaposing that against this idea that um, the the narrative on inflation out of the U S. and the Fed policy hasn't really changed too much over the past few weeks, particularly when you take into account some of this other Fed speak that we've been hearing recently. So we just heard from several Fed officials yesterday, um, you know, talking about, um, you know, the eventual need to cut rates, although they didn't particularly put any timing on there. That narrative hasn't changed fundamentally. And so when you're not seeing that dramatic change in policy, stocks can kind of just keep going, especially when you're seeing such uh, amazing results from a company like NVIDIA. And I think that that's kind of, you know, playing out across global markets right now. Yeah, Birdie in the newsroom told me this morning that $66 billion worth of NVIDIA shares traded hands yesterday. It's the second biggest day for volume in history, second only to the day of Tesla's inclusion in the S&P 500. So it was a huge deal, even if it's not the only thing that's driving the equity rally. But Jill, the bit of the laggard in the markets this morning has been China, Hong Kong. They're in the green now. The Hang Seng Tech Index still down five tenths of a percent. What's the problem there? 
Well, Lizzie, I think that, you know, China has um, some other more fundamental problems here that um, are continuing to drag these stocks down, particularly over the last week. So uh, you can't really talk about China without talking about the economy, uh, which is slowing down. Um, you're seeing this this big slowdown in growth that's continuing to weigh out on sentiment there. Uh, we did see a bit of a rally before China went on this week-long Lunar New Year holiday last week. We were hoping to see something of an improvement at the beginning of this week as stocks finally reopened after that really, really lengthy break. Um, but that hasn't really materialized in China. That's in part because uh, some of the data that we've been getting recently just really hasn't been as strong as we would have liked. We saw some travel and spending data over the course of the Lunar New Year holiday, which were pretty strong on the face of things. But then you dug down a little bit deeper. You saw that consumers in China were still being pretty thrifty, which was a bit disappointing. Um, in China today, you just got some uh, data on home prices that wasn't particularly strong, still showing um, you know that, that fall indicating that the property crisis continues to be an issue there. So you're and then you've also just got some of these larger issues with the stock market in China that has um, been experiencing the seven trillion dollar route over the last 18 months. Authorities are taking some efforts to curb volatility in trading, but I think the sentiment problem is really just becoming too much to bear there. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that for the kind of China angle. Meanwhile, we've got to do a quick comparison in terms of the bond markets. Fed officials have been advocating patience in terms of interest rate cuts. How patient can they be when there's a lag in terms of monetary transmission? Oh, gosh. Well, I think that at this point, that's really the big question when it comes to the Fed. And I think the ultimate difficulty that they have to deal with this year is they figure out when exactly they're going to cut rates. I think that, um, you know, the Fed response to that has ultimately been, look, um, we're incredibly data dependent and they're looking at all types of indicators to decide when exactly they need to move the needle um, on that first policy cut of the year. But uh, Fed officials have been pretty adamant for the last couple of months now that they don't want to move too quickly. I think we just saw in the FOMC minutes the other day that um, more Fed, most Fed officials were worrying, uh, worried about actually moving too quickly on making interest rate cuts, while only a couple were really suggesting that um, you know they were worried about the long-term economic risks of not moving quickly enough. I think that um, you know at this point uh, we just had a bunch of uh, Fed officials yesterday: Vice Fed Chair Philip Jefferson, Governor Lisa Cook, we had uh, Governor Governor uh, Christopher Waller, um, all kind of give a, a bit of what I saw is, is still kind of the status quo uh, bit on this, which is that, you know, they're, they're optimistic bit that inflation is cooling, but it's just really not time to cut rates yet. I think we still need to wait a bit more time before we ultimately see some specificity with which Fed officials are willing to say this is when, you know, we're actually going to see a cut. Yeah, no one wants to start cutting if they're going to have to hike again. All right, Bloomberg's economy and government editor, Jill Desis, we thank you for that analysis. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. 
So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Now we're going to pivot to another story uh, this morning. Russia is steadily expanding its influence across Africa with arms sales, Kremlin-sponsored beauty pageants and more recently free grain. It's the subject of a deep dive story that we have on the Bloomberg Terminal this morning. And joining us to discuss is our Bloomberg Africa correspondent in Dakar, Katerina Hoysia. Welcome to Bloomberg Radio, Katerina, and for telling us about your story. What does Russia hope to get in return for all of this investment? Well, I mean, Russia is looking for new markets to to sell its grains as it's facing sanctions over its war in Ukraine. I mean, Russia is the world's biggest export of wheat and it has a glut of grain after several bumper harvests. And almost half of the nations in Africa already import 30% of the wheat from either Ukraine or Russia. So as Ukraine is having difficulty exporting its wheat uh, since the beginning of the war and uh, also since last year as Moscow announced its decision to end the Black Sea Grain Initiative, Russia is probably hoping to fill some of that gap and also soften some of the impact of US and European sanctions. Uh, secondly, it's also good PR for Moscow. While the donations uh, are pretty small, between 25,000 and 50,000 tons of wheat, um, and will only cover a small part of these countries' needs, by donating food, Moscow comes across as Africa's friend and someone who sees the continent struggle. So this helps us. The Kremlin is also looking for, for support on an international state, um, for example, for allies that will vote in its favor at the UN. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.